You're listening to episode 14 of the Winging It podcast, how to raise investment as a female founder with Ashley Hind, founder of direct-to-consumer contact lens brand, Waldo. Originally from South Africa, 29-year-old Ashley has worked all over the world, finally settling in London after finishing a course in entrepreneurship at Harvard. Despite being told that she'd go further with a male co-founder on board and facing funding hurdles, Ashley has defied investors' odds and has gone it alone, proving how successful female founders can be without a male counterpart. In less than a year, she has launched Waldo in the UK, Europe, and most recently the US, following an injection of 3.7 million Series A venture capital funding with over 20,000 customers in the UK alone. If you're listening today, I want to make sure of two things. Firstly, are you subscribed to the podcast? Because if you're not, you are missing out. Do you dream of running your own business or having a career that you love? If so, you're in the right place. Every week, I'm sharing free content with you to help you do just this. If you're subscribed, you'll be the first to know about every new episode as they're released, which means you can feel inspired sooner. If you're not subscribed, I would love you to take a moment to hit the subscribe button right now. The second thing I'd love you to do is to share that you're listening today. I love hearing from you and connecting with you. So please share that you're listening on your stories, on your Instagram, talk about why you love the show or DM me at Lucy Hitchcock underscore or at Ceci Digital. I love hearing from you because it helps me relate and connect with my lovely listeners. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entel app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web. So this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. The music for this podcast is epic, I know. It's been provided by The Edit Album, a curation of copyright-free music for creatives. Our listeners get 25% off with the code SASSY25 and I'll leave the link in the description box or if you're listening on Entel, you'll be able to click the link now. So I'm sat with the lovely Ashley from Waldo. Hi. Hi. We're in your Shoreditch office today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so nice, this office. I wish my office was like this. <laughs> I just find like all the co-working offices in London are so much, well, they're nicer than mine. But Yeah, we've kissed a lot of frogs until we found this space, that's for sure. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into the good stuff, do you want to give us a introduction to who you are and what yeah. you do? So I'm Ashley Hind. I'm the founder and CEO of Waldo Contacts. We are a direct-to-consumer contact lens business, born in the UK, but now um, selling across Europe as well as the USA. Amazing. And how did you, how did you kind of get to this point? Like, what, were the, what did the early stages of your career look like? So I started my career in uh, brand marketing, um, sort of moved up that path and became a brand manager, and then was actually very interested, strangely enough, in pricing strategy. Um, And that led me into a career in management consulting as a pricing strategy consultant, which was interesting at the time, but I knew that that was not going to be my long-term plan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and so I decided to study further, um, went back to school. And while I was doing my master's in the States, I ran out of contacts and started to think a lot about why the price was different of contacts in all these different markets that I'd lived, like yeah. the UK and I'm South African by birth. So um, that was really the first question that I asked. And then as I started to dig into the opportunity, I realized that actually maybe maybe this is something that you know I can disrupt. And even just not to solve like my own pain point of needing contact lenses and wanting them to be cheaper and better, um, but maybe this is a bigger problem than that. So... Yeah, I think what's really interesting is people are so, and I, I am totally okay with this because I do exactly the same. People are so lazy that they'd rather get subscriptions now because it's like, okay, now you don't have to go to the shop to get yeah. your contact lenses. Or for me, um, I don't have to go to the vet to pick up my dog's like flea yeah. subscription. I can just get it sent to my house. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, it's lazy, isn't it? But like, it's cool. Absolutely, and I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Especially for those products that you really need like what's the reason to have to get up go to the store and like make sure that they've got it in stock um so yeah i mean the beauty of the internet is it allows us those luxuries (laughs) it does so once you thought of the idea how did you kind of go about making it into reality because i think a lot of people have that i mean i'm i certainly do this as well but kind of every week I'm like oh I've got another new idea for a business how did you know that this was like the idea and how did you go about turning it into reality yeah so I mean for me it was a really big pain point so it was a really big problem that I wanted to solve even just for myself so actually it didn't start with like oh here's this like golden idea I need to make sure that um you know I need to make sure that this big idea um is going to work it was more hold on why does this problem exist and then as I started to dig deeper then the idea came so there was a lot of research sort of before the idea um and yeah I mean a lot of like looking into the industry who the incumbents are um what are the routes to market at the moment um and then I guess like fundamentally how can I fix this but that sort of how can I fix this part came after quite a lot of research. So I wasn't necessarily like stuck on the idea before I started to look into yeah. it, if that makes sense. What, do you, what were the time frames like from idea to kind of getting it up um, and running? So a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah, so quite a while. But I was studying at the time, so I was really lucky to have had that like freedom and yeah. flexibility to just dig into it and totally nerd out on everything to do with contact lenses (laughs) I just find that so cool that you can study and do something else at the same time I mean when I was studying I was like studying partying right (laughs) which is definitely what my undergraduate (laughs) was like um but I think when you study and you're a bit older and it's at your own expense and you really understand like the value of of money and time then I think you look at it a bit differently yeah I think you're probably right on that one (laughs) so we actually spoke a few months ago on the phone and when we spoke you said you're like super into customer service so um can you explain a little bit more about that and why that's quite important to you yeah sure so I think you know in today's day and age like it's really important that every touch point with the customer makes them feel like there's a person on the other side and like 
they're being dealt with and cared for appropriately. Um, and I think one of the things that's really frustrated me about the industry is that, you know, there's very little transparency. So after you've had that initial, like, doctor consultation and you've got your prescription, there's very little, like, touch point that you have with any of the brands or any of the companies that are sort of providing you your contact lenses. And I think that that's a missed opportunity. So any sort of channel that we can create a relationship with the customer in, we absolutely want to use that channel to the best of our ability. And so, yeah, that's the reason why I'm so big on customer service. So one of the things you told me was that, say I was a subscriber. Yeah. I don't wear glasses, so unfortunately I can't subscribe. But if I did wear glasses, I would. So if I was on holiday and I'd forgotten my contact lenses, you said that you would you send contact lenses out yeah. to people kind of wherever they are in the world yeah so i mean to give you an example of that like we had a customer the other day who who was leaving for dubai on the friday but their subscription was only due to land like early the following week and so we just asked her for her hotel details and you know sent her a like small emergency pack so that she wouldn't be without contacts while she was on the holiday and I think it's those sort of added added features and services in a business that like ultimately really create loyalty. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even for myself, like I've definitely been in the situation where I've unpacked my suitcase, I haven't packed enough contacts, and then it's like mayhem because I can't really carry on without my contacts. So yeah. I understand what it's like, you know, when the product is so personal and so needed. Um, I'd really like to be able to solve for those like pain points for yeah. the customer. I think that's so interesting because a lot of people solely think about kind of where they're going in terms of their business and also their branding, but not necessarily thinking about it from a customer's perspective. Yeah. Um, so every time that we make sort of product improvements or like build on the tech or the service delivery, like we're always thinking about, you know, what are the needs of a contact lens wearer and a lot of the team are contact lens wearers so um you know we have a lot of like funny conversations like oh my god this was my like contact lens experience you know and um yeah we try and solve for those as much as we can that's so nice i love that (laughs) love it so what i really wanted to talk about because i haven't had anyone on to talk about this yet Mm -hmm. was you've just raised several million Mm -hmm. uh several million even, um, in order to launch in the US. Um, so was raising investment something that you've always intended to do from the beginning? Uh, so no, actually. Um, and my, like I've come from a family of entrepreneurs and the whole concept of fundraising and venture capital is very, very foreign, like from my household or, you know, the way that anybody in my family has run their business. So it definitely wasn't, but uh, as I dug into the model and saw the size of the opportunity, as well as what it would take to get something off the ground in a meaningful way, that's when I realized that I would definitely need to raise some capital. So yeah, we raised our first round of funding about seven months before launch, so beginning of 2017. we launched in the August of 2017 in the UK and we raised another round of funding just in the summer of last year to allow us to expand into the US and 
continue to grow the UK and Europe. And how did you go about initially finding that investment? Was it quite easy or did you because there's lots of different options for investment so how did you decide on what was right for you so to be honest I, I probably didn't look into all the different avenues that there are for investment um, as much as I, I should have I'd never done it before um, but I'd put together a pretty robust business plan and like I needed that just for myself like finishing studying you know, to make the decision after studying not to go back to work and to, like, take the plunge and do something on my own. I needed to stress test, like, the concept um, to death, even just to make sure that, like, it, it was the right move for me. And so I had a pretty robust sort of business plan. And then um, initially the way that it started was I sent it around to a couple of friends and, you know, contacts in the finance industry, like, initially asking for feedback and as they gave me feedback they also passed on some contacts to people that they think that I should speak to and so I was just very open in terms of meeting people and you know taking as much advice as I could um, around what the different options were as far as investment goes Um, and yeah I mean that first round of financing we were able to close quite quickly and that allowed us to launch really quickly so we were lucky from that perspective for sure. So what steps did you have to take to ensure that you're in a position to raise investment? So you talked about a pretty robust business yeah. plan. And obviously, I think a lot of people know that that is, is pretty much the first step, step yeah. is writing something that you can take to show someone to, to kind of show that you've, you've done your research yeah. and, you, and you know what you're talking about. Um, so would you ha- do you have any tips for people who are perhaps either looking to start a business or looking to raise investment? in terms of preparation yeah so I think um, like first and foremost you know you need to understand I think actually first and foremost you know ask yourself why you want to solve this particular problem and why are you the right person to do that Um, you know for me contact lenses are really a product that I'm very passionate about and really grateful for Um, I think my teenage years and like even my adulthood would have been a very different experience if I'd been forced to wear like the big frames that I had on when I was 10 years old. Um, so I'm personally very grateful for the product. And What age did you start wearing contact lenses? 11. 11? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I mean now even like I can't get out of bed without contacts pretty much. Like I can't see anything. So wow. I'm very, I'm passionate about the You are the, the right person right. for the job. Exactly. <laughs> and you know actually like weirdly enough my mom is also blind in one eye so vision has really been this pain point in my family for ages and we've always had a really like close-knit relationship with our optician um and so fundamentally it's a space that I'm interested in enough to like you know really bet my career on it firstly so that's the first step and then I think the second step is um, you know how big is the market like is the size of the opportunity really big enough um, what are the problems with the way that the market currently operates like in contact lenses you know the problem is that it's dominated by these big pharmaceutical companies there's a complex distribution channel where everybody's taking a cut of the of the price at each turn and ultimately the customer is being left with a product that is 
too expensive and not really a great purchase experience. So there there is inherently a problem. Um, and then the next step is, you know, well, how do we go about solving this? And then it comes down to like due diligencing, possible suppliers, working out costs um, and logistics around it. And then for me, the second component of it, which is really important for Waldo, is, you know, how do we go about developing a, a brand and like what we stand for? So those were sort of my steps around creating a business plan. Like, A, is this right for me? And then is the opportunity big enough? Is there a problem that I can solve? What is the process of solving it from a logistics and supply chain point of view? And then how are we going to differentiate ourselves in the market? And you, and that's what you take to an investor? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of investment do you have? Is it, um, I don't really know much about investment, yeah. so you'll have to forgive me. Yes. <laughs> so um, we raised some capital initially under SEIS, which is an awesome scheme um, that HMRC does that basically encourages angels, okay, like awesome. incentivizes them from a tax perspective to invest in startup companies, Amazing. which is really, really, you know, great. And I think it definitely fuels the uh, startup ecosystem in, in the UK. Um, and then the next ra- round of financing that we did was institutional. So we got some venture capital funding after that. So do you have... Um when you get investment in that sense, do you have to have kind of regular meetings with your investors? Yeah. Um, and how important is having a good kind of relationship with them in a working yeah. sense? Um, so we do have regular meetings. And, you know, I think I think ultimately, like, entrepreneurs should definitely optimise for the person that is going to be investing in the business. Um, you know, ask yourself questions like, do we get along? Can this person add value to the business? Like, do they have experience that maybe you don't have, um, where they can, or connections that you don't have that they can really like add value? Um, but it's so important to have a good relationship with your investors. It can really be the difference of like really loving what you're doing and feeling like you're you've got the support of like people around you as you build this big ship. Um, versus feeling quite lonely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an important decision. And the, I think actually the courting process to finding investors uh, is far too short considering how long that relationship generally is. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. How long did you have to search or was it kind of not that yeah. long? I guess maybe once you've already got investment, it's easier would you say yeah i mean as long as you're as long as you're um fulfilling what you said that you would do i guess then yeah it is (laughs) um and just continuing to network and take feedback um and listen to your customers so have you had any i guess kind of struggles along the way with investment like what kind of what kind of struggles have you faced in terms of that if any yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. Like, I don't think it's something that necessarily... I mean, maybe to some people it comes naturally. I think it's difficult to learn how to sell and how to sort of structure your thinking if you're quite nervous in front of somebody. Um, and I think that that just comes with practice, like anything. Um, so I guess, like, from an advice point of view, I'll just say 
know know your business inside out like know really what the key levers are and drivers and and just be able to communicate that with conviction and it might not feel feel natural but I guess like after a few meetings it'll start to become more natural and certainly with practice um, it becomes easier and I mean now you know Waldo's been operating for a year and a half and so I know the business inside out and so it doesn't really feel anymore like I'm selling something it feels more like I'm talking to them about what we're doing and that's when the conversation becomes a lot more natural and somewhat easier for me at least so funny when you when you're saying about um when you were saying before about kind of knowing your business inside out, yeah. all I'm thinking of in my head is when people go on Dragon's Den and they get <laughs> asked those questions and they're like, um, are, you, are we talking about profit or turnover? What are yeah. we talking about here? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's an important distinction. <laughs> it's so funny though, but it is true. I think with anything really, as long as you're kind of prepared and you've done your research with those kind of things, it's always going to turn out well. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And just speaking to people, you know, ultimately everybody's just a person, right? So all you're doing as one person is explaining yeah. why you're passionate about something and why you think it's a great idea. And you're just telling that to another person. So, yeah, I think like sometimes it, it, it's also good to just like remove all of the like the stigmas and the like fear that gets attached to this big word investment. Yeah. I guess it's also yourself. kind of sometimes just removing the emotion from it and exactly. just kind of getting over that and money is a difficult topic anyway yeah, to exactly. talk about but if you can kind of get over that and just have an honest conversation I guess that's probably a good way to think about it yeah exactly it's like with all these things I always say in business just try and take the emotion out of it yeah um I get worked up on a regular basis and I'm just like just calm down because it doesn't matter exactly. it doesn't matter <laughs> So when we spoke before, you told me um, your view on kind of how you run things in terms of the money that you've actually invested. Yeah. You, you told me a really interesting story from a book about, was it a door as a desk? Yeah, so that that's what um, Jeff Bezos did in the early days of Amazon. Oh, he, yeah. Um, he made everybody work on um, work on a door so that people really understood that you know, any additional money that the business had would go into the customer and that they were fundamentally a customer-centric business. I mean, we have desks, we don't have desks, <laughs> so we haven't taken it that far. But yeah, I really like that story because I think it's important to like be lean and have attention to detail and like try not get too wasteful the moment you get investment, you know. Yeah, because that's what you we were talking about, wasn't it? Some people think getting investment is hugely glamorous and like when when I heard that you'd raise investment and you were going over to the States, all I could think of in my head was like, Oh my gosh, gla- so glamorous, like business class lounge, all of this stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. And you were like, No, 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 it goes back in, like none yeah. of that stuff. And I was like, Do you know what? That's so refreshing. And not that I would do that if I got investment, <laughs> but now I know the truth. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, I mean, the more money you raise, I think with that comes expectation, like nothing in life is free. Um, that was it. You said it's, it's, it's someone's money. It's not just free money that someone's giving you. Exactly. So no, there's no business class and, um, or lounges or, or anything of that sort. (laughs) Um, maybe we'll get there down the line, but we've still got a lot of work to do. (laughs) 
what's it like being a female founder? How are you finding it? Um, good. I mean, <laughs> I always I sometimes feel like when people say like, what's it like being a you know female founder or like a female CEO? Sometimes it feels a little bit loaded because I'm like, well, I've never been a male one, so I have no idea what that feels like. That's so true. But being a you know being a female founder and like CEO, I, I think it's it's great. Like I think increasingly there's such an awesome network of female entrepreneurs out there and that's so great to see um i think like the stats around how much investment women get compared to men is really alarming and that needs to change it is Um, yeah but increasingly i'm meeting you know female founders that are just such game-changing women that it's really nice to just be in that room i think it's awesome in today's day and age that i mean I don't have the stats now, but I did, um, I think in a previous episode I was talking about them versus, like now versus five, ten years ago, yeah. the amount of women that are starting up businesses um, because they've seen that their friends or people yeah. that they know, like women that they know have started up a business, yeah. um, has given them the confidence to to go and do their own thing and actually say, you know, I've got a great idea. Either I've got a great idea or I just want to follow my passion yeah. as a freelancer. Exactly. Um and that's the thing, right? Like starting your own business can take so many different like forms. You don't have to you don't have to run like a, a VC invested company. You know, you can also take a leap of faith and as you say, like become a freelancer and but it becomes a chain reaction. Like the more women that do it, the more women that will do it and the more women that raise like rounds of financing and go international, the more women you know we'll do it and and that's exciting I think yeah I think it is exciting it's funny because when I first started out no one I knew was really none of my girlfriends certainly were doing their own thing and I I kind of just saw the opportunity and took it um but now I'm like surrounded by awesome women you know my friends um even my friend who started a business six months ago you know, she's just managed to get stocks in Selfridges and it's just it's like, amazing. she went from maybe this time last year thinking, oh, I'm going to start this company, but I don't know if I should do it. Yeah. And I'm just like, just go for it. Because if you, if you totally. never, if you never try, you never succeed. I yeah. was going to say you never fail, but if you never try, you never succeed. It's a bit more positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, more than that, like worst case scenario, you just learn an absolute ton, like about yourself and about how to run your business. And so, the next time around, even if it doesn't work out, is only going to be better. But it is pretty sure. remarkable, like what you say about when you wanted to start your own business, like nobody else was really doing that. Like I spoke to my mom about it. And, you know, when she was making the decision of like what to do after school, it was really her options were, well, do you want to be a nurse or a teacher? And here I am, like just one generation past that. And you know all of a sudden it's like well yeah do you want to be president or you know run a fortune 500 company like all of these options yeah are now available and they're becoming like increasingly more common and so yeah it's a really exciting time what i think is really cool is yesterday i was having a chat with someone talking about a levels and um whether they relate to what you do now and what i find so funny well my A-levels 100% relate, and what I did at uni 100% relate to what I do now. I don't know whether they kind of 
assisted me in real yeah. life experience <laughs> but that's a different issue but it's funny that at school you know you're so young when you're you're chosen to when you have to choose your subjects yeah. you're I think you're not even 16 you choose your GCSE subjects at 14 I think yeah. so you're 14 years old and teachers are saying to you you know you're choosing these subjects and this will make you go into your profession but you know one that might be the case and you know that you already want to be a doctor because a lot of professions do require yeah. you to have certain qualifications yeah. um you wouldn't want a doctor <laughs> that didn't have any qualifications yeah. but you know there's so many careers out there that actually don't require qual- qualifications so whatever you study at school doesn't actually have to correlate exactly. to your passion in life and what you want to go and do totally and i mean the amount of subjects that there are to choose from versus the amount of career paths that there are to choose from yeah just shows you like how different you know those two like decision making points are but sometimes we get so stuck in you know what we wanted to do maybe in like our late teens or early 20s yeah and then it becomes so hard for us to like make any changes along the way but you have to take those bold moves and just like give it a bash yeah It's like when you're younger and you listen to adults and they're like, you know, you should pick a sensible (laughs) mix of subjects. I I mean, I don't think my parents ever said to me, you know, you have to do this. I was kind of like, I think you're doing this. And they were like, do you know what? Just do whatever you need to do. Yeah, you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people aren't like that, though. But it kind of worked out for the best, didn't it? I would um, always encourage people to just go for it. Yeah, definitely. But no, it's funny how people think they want to be one thing when they were younger I actually yeah. posted something on Instagram this morning I used to want to be I wanted to be a TV presenter oh really yeah from the age of well it was quite young probably from the age of 10 well, would you call this podcast presenting like is it close enough <laughs> maybe <laughs> I asked you what it's like being a female founder have you faced any challenges along the way as a female founder have you yeah come like, across any challenges I think I mean, from time to time, you do. Most people always say they've ha- dealt with some challenging people, but... Yeah, totally. Like, I think one thing that takes getting used to is, like, being the only woman in the room so often. Yes, um, love that. And and that takes some, that takes a bit of practice sometimes just in terms of, like, you know, body language, like making sure that you're taking up space at the table that you're sitting at. Rather than like hiding your, you know, your hands under the table, and um, you know, I, I guess like that's that was the premise of Sheryl Sandberg's book, like Lean In. Um, but I think it's a really it's a really valid point, like just starting to be more aware, especially if you are the only woman in the room, of like what does your body language look like versus everybody else. So that's been quite a big learning for me, um, and yeah, I'm not not sort of the biggest person at the table anyway so sometimes I just need to um I need to enact that I think what's really interesting is and I'm guilty of this too is sometimes maybe you're not in the mood or I I don't know sometimes we don't say how we feel and then during meetings and then afterwards you're like why didn't I just say that what what was the worst that's going to happen and kind of teaching yourself to be that person even if it's like at work you're one person and you you have to force yourself to have those conversations or you know put your opinion out there or you know change your body language for a specific meeting yeah um and I think often like you know especially as a young girl like the way that you're told to behave like 
you know, be quiet, you know, be polite, uh, talk softly, be gentle. Like there's all of these very, um, there's all of these sort of very soft characteristics that I think we're taught to display from a very early age and men are taught the exact opposite. And so I think like sometimes, like for me, I've had to think about, but I mean, that hasn't just been sort of part of entrepreneurship, but sort of part of working and like corporate life as well. Yeah. It's just making sure that you are like speaking your mind and being direct and like learning to do that basically. Yeah. I, that's something I really struggle with speaking my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to do it at work, but maybe not so much my personal <laughs> life. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. So if there's one piece of advice you wish you were given before you'd started your business, what would it be and why? A piece of advice that I would give to people starting their own business is to enjoy the ride. It sounds so cheesy, <laughs> but you know, running your business is really it really mimics a roller coaster. So some days are absolutely like beyond amazing. And then some days are a little more flat. But you have to just like maintain consistency and balance and know that that's the path that you've chosen. And um, accept it. And accept it. Um, have and you seen and that try thing not on take Instagram it so like it's a it's a drawing that someone's done it's like the life of an entrepreneur and it's like all these (laughs) squiggly lines up and down I'm like I feel that (laughs) right exactly but just um yeah like accept it and and just enjoy it I guess like it is such an amazing opportunity so just try and like see optimism in it it is and also the thing is whether you succeed or you fail it's one of those things that no matter how long you do it for you're always going to look back and go do you know what those you know yeah. you'll only remember the good days you actually won't remember the bad days yeah, exactly. I mean if you ask me now when my last bad day well I probably can't even remember it yeah just exactly. because I mean it might have been last week but just because something better will have happened in the meantime yeah. and then you're kind of flying on that right yeah exactly like focus on the good stuff you know understand the bad stuff and like make sure you're fixing it and um you know that you're disciplined and hardworking. but like ultimately focus on the good stuff like don't don't let the bad stuff like drive your whole path I guess I think something I find really important in terms of that is when I finish work I'm very strict on like I work nine till well nine till six or seven or whenever Mm. I work to but after that that's it that's you know I need time to switch off and I think for your own sanity sometimes if if you've had a if you've had a bad day you kind of need to just step back and take that time and also when you've had a good day it's good to stop and take that time as well because then you get a chance to reflect yeah um and it can be totally like all-encompassing it can take up all of your like mental energy physical energy but you have to find a way to like reinvigorate that so yeah I guess that would be my advice so what's next for Waldo what can we yeah kind of expect to see that you can talk about (laughs) um so I mean we're going to continue to expand um, both in terms of you know product features as well as like deepening our presence in markets or countries that we're in. Um, so something we've just launched actually is a Waldo Vitamin Trial. So we've got Waldo Original, which is our base range, but we launched 
about a year ago, um, Waldo Vitamin as an upgrade product. So okay. the saline solution of the lens is infused with vitamin B and E, and it's like a light pink color. Um, and that product has proved to be so popular that we've just introduced it as a trial. So customers can, um, we've just introduced it as a trial so that customers can try the product, you know, before sort of signing up. Yeah. And we'll continue to, you know, listen to customers and, and make enhancements to our service and to our product in line with that feedback. What does vitamin B and E do? So it it essentially makes the lens um, feel a lot more comfortable on the eye. So uh, it's great okay. for people that have, you know, tired eyes or like battle with dry eyes. Like especially if you're, you know, in the office and under fluorescent light staring at a screen for hours, then yeah, um, yeah, then these lenses just add that like additional level of support. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I think we're just going to continue to do what we're doing basically and like but get bigger but get bigger yeah exactly. that's so awesome and how many countries are you in at the moment so we ship to 29 wow at the moment um the us and the uk are our biggest markets and then uh, we ship across the eu which has been really exciting for us uh like it's still super cool when you you know get an instagram or something from somebody in malta and they're like i love the product and you're just picture picturing like waldo sitting on a bathroom shelf like in Malta that must feel or so good Bulgaria for you as well. Yeah, that's great. Like, that's really great. It like makes you feel connected with like somebody else in the world that you just yeah, and have like no you're idea. solving a problem for them. So you right. share, you kind of share exactly. in that exactly. So it feels like you're growing a community of sorts, which is great. Yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, we'll continue to do that. And um, the Waldo vitamin thing, I'm I'm super excited about. I just I love the I'm product excited and, about it. <laughs> um, yeah, customers are we're getting some great feedback from it, so I'm super happy about that. That's awesome. Well, I wish you luck. Thank and you. And when I need contact lenses, <laughs> I will let you know. Thank you. Um, I hope you do. And so, when where can we find you? Where where can everyone find you if they want to um, find out more or yeah. social media? So you can go to uh, highwaldo.com if you want to sign up um, for our trial pack, which is just. £2.95 or $2.95 um, and that gives you 10 days worth of lenses that you can that you can try you basically just pay for shipping and handling and the lenses are free and if you want to learn more about us um, on social then go to Waldo Contacts on Instagram we're always on the other side of DMs there so feel free to slide into our DMs and oh, we'll be very that. happy to see you don't you hate it when you DM someone? And it's like, I always do it. I DM people. And because it goes into the request, a yeah. lot of people don't check it. And I'm like, why haven't they replied to me? <laughs> oh, we check. <laughs> <laughs> You're on it. You're on it with the customer service. I love that. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me in your wonderful office today. Oh, thank you. It's been really nice to speak to you and be on the show. so interesting about my conversation with Ashley is that although she has achieved so much in such a short amount of time her approach to her business is so refreshing not only does she use the investment she has raised to constantly build and push the business forward she always puts her customers first customer-driven brands are becoming hugely important 
not just because you're listening to customers and giving them what they want. Customers also like to feel involved in businesses they buy from. And in this day and age, not only does this keep customers loyal, but it makes them more invested in a brand and want to buy from you for many years to come. This week's thought of the week is look for the good in every day. Generally speaking, I'm a very positive person. I don't know if you can tell. So I like to look for the good in every day anyway. But what's made me really think about this recently is watching the film called About Time on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. One of the main things that the main character does in the film is he lives every day once how he would normally and then he travels in time to live that day again and appreciate every little thing if you haven't seen it you should definitely watch it it's very inspiring i thought it was such a wonderful message that even if we're having a terrible day to try and find the good in everything that you do and often it can be useful to step back and look at situations from afar or from another angle you can always find a positive in anything you do if you look hard enough Every stressful, conflicting, upsetting, good, exciting and amazing thing that happens to you in life is there to teach you a lesson. And I often like to make a mental note of those lessons for the future. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And if you're loving winging it, I would be so grateful if you could just pause the episode here and leave me a review. They make producing these episodes all worth it and they keep me going. So I'm going to share a review today from Fumi O, who says, this is just what the modern day female entrepreneur needs, a real down to earth and matter of fact podcast on running a business in this digital age. Couldn't recommend this podcast enough. Have an amazing week, everyone, and keep winging it, girls. I'll see you next week.